Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Or you can join us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. All right, all right. How are we doing, church family? Yeah, this is going to be a tough one. All right, you guys are a little stiff. Y'all are looser than that in worship. Man, welcome in to all of you uh, here in the room with us today. And uh, man, dozens of people online joining us as a part of our extended family today. Man, it's going to be a good day to be together uh, as we kind of come back out. We're week two of being back at home here in our building. Uh, Some of you are working your way back in as you join us online today. Uh, But we're in week two of a series we're calling Better together because here's kind of where we're, where we're coming from is that we've been three months apart right we've been three months socially distanced and I know we're still kind of working our way back together um, but we have discovered in this season that we're better when we're together like it's just good to see one another even if it's from six feet out it's just good to see each other and so we are continuing a series of conversations called better together we are encouraging one another in that truth that we need one another so if you got a copy of scripture let's go there today John chapter 13 is where we're going to be. Uh, John chapter 13, man, open up your Bible here in the room, online, from your couch, wherever you're watching today, and we will read multiple uh, sections of the book of John today. We're actually going to hit multiple chapters, but we're going to start in John 13. So get there first, and if you don't have a copy of Scripture, we'll put some verses um, on this screen behind me so that you can track along with where we're going to be today. Now, for all my note-taking people, um, I'm titling today's message this, In It together. All right? Doesn't that sound good? In it together, because here's why. We are convinced, and I hope that you become convinced by the end of the day, that this spiritual life that we live in, this call to follow Jesus, this spiritual journey we could say that we're on, is not a journey to be taken alone. It's not a journey to be taken alone. We say it all the time here. If you've heard us say it once, you probably heard us say it a million times, that you weren't designed to do life alone. And as the exchange, that's not like just like a a cute little mantra that we throw out, but like we literally believe that. Like we believe that you weren't meant to do life alone. We love the fact that we can gather in large groups of people like we're doing today across three gatherings and even online, that we can gather in that way. We think that's good and right. But listen to me, we're convinced that the, the greatest growth and care and connection for your soul and for mine happens in smaller groups and smaller relationships. It just does. And so today, we're going to talk about the power of being in it together, that we are better together when we're in it together. Now, in John, what we're going to do is we're going to look a little bit at the life of Jesus, all right? Who better to look at in how they handled their relationships than Jesus? And the book of John kind of shed some light into how Jesus handled the closest relationships in his life. He had some homeboys, all right? He had his fave 12. It was the disciples. And if you read scripture, you know that he spends a lot of his time, a lot of his energy and attention investing in this group of guys because those relationships matter. So the book of John highlights so much about Jesus' life, and particularly on the final week of Jesus' life. There's actually five chapters in the book of John, five chapters just on the last night of Jesus' life before he was crucified. Five chapters, same night. And so we're going to look at those chapters today, um, John 13 through 17, and we're going to highlight how did Jesus handle the relationships in his life. In these uh, chapters, he really talks about two things. He talks about the Holy Spirit. He says, hey, I'm leaving, but don't worry, I'm sending you a helper in my spirit. And then the second thing he talks about is relationships. 
So we're going to talk about how are we better together when we're in it together in relationships. So pick up with me John 13. Um, we're going to read verses 1 through 5 first, and then we'll stop and talk about it a little bit. It says, It was just before the Passover meal, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Saying Jesus in his final moments, he's with his boys. They're together. The evening meal was in progress. Verse 2. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father, God, had put all, thing un all things under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So Jesus, in the middle of his dinner, gets up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet. And he dried them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus is getting ready to die. But in his final moments, with his closest boys, what does he do? He chooses to wash their feet. Now, that may not seem extremely weird to us, but in that moment, it was crazy, all right? It was ludicrous for Jesus to be washing people's feet. Now, it was normal for feet to be washed because they would walk from place to place with no shoes, no sandals, no Birkenstocks, no Air Jordans. They got there, and their feet were nasty. So somebody had to wash them. But it was the lowest man on the totem pole's role to wash feet. Like, it was the, the bottom servant who washed people's feet because when you wash people's feet you got to know what was in between their toes all right how many of you just willing to be honest in church and go like you don't do feet like you don't do feet with a 10-foot pole and a million bucks in front of you like, I don't touch feet I see that hand at home that's right man you're like even my spouse is like no no no, <laughs> no I don't know what you got girl so I'm not touching your feet right let's be honest there's unspeakable things that you can find in between people's toes. That's how it was in this moment. And so the disciples are blown away that Jesus is bent down, towel around his waist, sliding from person to person, washing their nasty feet. But look what happens next. Verse 6, it says, Jesus got to Simon Peter. The water basin slides to him. And Peter looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, Peter, you do not even realize now what I am doing, but later you'll understand. Now, this is Peter, who spent years of his life with Jesus. He's one of his close boys. And essentially, Peter is saying, Jesus, I know we're tight and all. I know we've been through a lot together, but I don't know that I'm ready to get that close. I don't, I don't know that I'm ready to let you in on that level. And Jesus responds, and what does he say? He says, you don't understand, Peter. You don't understand what I am about to do. And I would argue today, church, that most people don't understand. Most people don't realize the power of having somebody who knows what's between your toes. Now, I'm saying that metaphorically. Keep your shoes on today, all right, in the gathering, please, all right? But Jesus is saying we all need to have somebody or a group of people in our life who know some of the darkest and dirtiest and maybe even lowest places of our life, that when we're in it together, that means that we would walk with one another on that level. And it may not be that you let everybody in, but you need to have somebody or somebodies who are in it together with you on that level. And here's Peter's response, all right? Maybe you're thinking of yours right now. Here's what Peter responded to Jesus. 
End of verse 8. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Rankin County interpretation, Peter says, no, Jesus, uh-uh, uh-uh, we ain't going there today. I, I am not okay with that. And let's be real, man, people today are the same way, right, especially church people. Man, we can get real good like that, right? We come in on Sundays, and we got, like, our Sunday front on. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, good to see y'all. So glad y'all made it. How you doing? Glory to God. Glory to God. We're good. Yeah, man. Praise the Lord. Okay. Right? You lying? You hollered at your kids all the way to church, or if it wasn't your kids, it was at least your spouse. And you're like, listen, y'all put a smile. We fight and we get home. Amen. Praise the Lord. How y'all doing? Okay. Right? If I'm lying, I'm dying. That's how it works, right? We put that front on. And what Jesus is saying is, he says, I want that level of closeness to you, Peter. That you would drop the wall, that you would drop the front, that we would be in it together. So look at what Jesus says back to him. Peter says no, and Jesus says this, verse 8, end of it. says, Jesus answered, unless I wash you, unless I wash your feet, Peter, you have no part with me. Jesus says, Peter, listen, unless you let me in, you have no part with me. In other words, we, we, are not, we are not partners. We are not in it together. And hear me, church, man, you can show up to our church building, you can tune in online and say amen, praise the Lord, and all that, that's great. But I'm telling you today that there needs to be somebody or a few somebodies who know you on an in-between-the-toes kind of level. That Jesus called us to be in it together. That somebody would know the real you beyond the Sunday front and everything's fine. That somebody would know what's happening in your world. Now listen, I know where some of you are. Right now you're going, ain't no way, man. You don't know me. You don't know my story. You don't know what's happening in my life. I got so much. Ain't no way I'm letting somebody, especially somebody from church. Why would I ever have a relationship like that? Well, I think Scripture today, it gives us the answer. It gives us the reason, all right? And so in John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, we're just going to do it, just a highlight version of each one of those. Jesus answers, and he shows us the power of being in it together and why we would have that kind of relationship, that kind of togetherness with other people, okay? For those of you taking notes, here we go. Here's the first truth. Life together serves one another. Life together serves one another. Now listen, one of the things that we say often around here as a church family is we need you to serve. You are called to serve. And listen to me, that is 100% true, all right? You have a spiritual gift and you were called, once you're in Christ, you're called to serve with your time and energy. You're sitting here right now, you're watching online because there's people serving right now. Without them serving, you and I don't get to worship like we're worshiping, okay? So there's a call to serve. But listen to me, you know what, you know what also needs to happen? Sometimes you need to be served. You need to be, and you know, what, you know when you really need to be served? When life breaks. When life breaks, because it will. And in those moments, you need to have somebody who's in it together with you on an in-between-the-toes kind of level who can walk with you through life. Man, God forbid that you would walk through something in your life and have to do it all alone because you'd never let anybody in. Now listen to me, as your pastor, I, like, I can't make that happen. I can't make you do that. Our staff team, our leadership, we, all we can do is set up opportunities for you to obediently walk that out with others. 
so that you can know the power of it, just like Cheryl did. Cheryl's part of our church family, been part of our church family for quite a few years, connected with a group, but she never could have prepared for what she would experience just a few months ago. When tragically, her young adult son had his life taken in an unfortunate car accident on Highway 49. You don't prepare for that. But you want to know who some of the very first people to know were? The ladies in her life group. Before word ever reached me or our staff team, her ladies, her friends, who were in it together with her, were praying for her, talking to her, loving on her, and encouraging her as best they could in the midst of that very broken moment. And they walked with her. They fed her family. They fed others who were there. They flooded her with love and gift cards and encouragement and all the care that they could give. When I showed up to the funeral home, you know who, want to know who was spread across the funeral home? Not our staff team. It was the ladies from her life group who continue to walk with her even to this day as she continues to walk towards healing. Listen to me. And we mourn with Cheryl and her family. We hate loss like that. But I thank God that she was in it together with others in her darkest moment when she needed it. And I thank God for the people who are willing to walk with her and are walking with her towards a place of healing. And listen to me, church. Here's the reality today. I can't promise you that you're not going to have a moment just like Cheryl did. And man, God forbid that you would have to walk through that all by yourself. Because you were too prideful or too whatever to be in it together with other people. And to have people love you and walk with you on that kind of level. Jesus says there's a call to be attentive to the needs of others. Look at John 13 verse 12. Here's what Jesus says further in the chapter. He says when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes. He returned to his place. And here's what he said. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked him, he said, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. He said, I've set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus says, you call me teacher and Lord, which are formal terms. But he says, I want you to go beyond the formal terms. I want to get to an in-between-the-toes kind of level so that you can serve one another as I have served you. Isn't that what he says in verse 15? He says, I set the example. Now the call is for you to live it out. There's a call to serve one another. Look down at 1 Peter 4 verse 10. You'll see it on the screen. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to do what? To serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Listen to me, church. Every one of us listening in the room and online, every one of us have a gift that somebody else listening right now needs. And it may be just loving people. It may be sending a card. It may be praying for somebody. It may be helping them with something that they need. And listen, every one of us has a gift that somebody else needs. And I'm just, and with all love today, I say, man, shame on us. For if we have a gift and we're not using it when somebody else needs it. Man, when we're in it together, we serve one another just like Jesus did. Now go with me. Ver, uh, point two is this. Chapter 14, Jesus points it to this. Life together encourages one another. We serve one another. We encourage one another. The word encourage literally means to lift one another up. That's what it means, to lift one another up. And can we just be real in church today? 
we all get discouraged from life to, from time to time in life. Life's hard, man. Life's difficult. There's some rough days out there, and we need encouragement. And in John 14, the disciples, just like you and me, they're sharing this meal with Jesus, but they're not real excited because Jesus keeps talking about the fact that he's about to die. He's like, man, I'm, I'm going to the Father. And the disciples are like, no, Jesus, we like you. We want you to stay here. And he says, you don't understand. I'm about to die. I'm going to the Father. That's the plan. And Jesus sees the disciples growing discouraged. And look at what he says right off the top in John 14. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Here's what Jesus says. Don't let your heart get sick with discouragement. Don't be overwhelmed by discouragement. And you know what happens if you keep reading in John 14, the very next few verses, you know what Jesus starts talking about? He starts talking about heaven. That's what he's describing. Can I just tell you something, man? If you're trying to encourage somebody, don't tell them that life's going to get better because it may not. Man, encourage them with heaven. Tell them, man, there's a day coming where all this brokenness, it's not going to matter anymore. Like, we'll, there'll be a place, no more crying, no more dying, nothing will spoil their faith, and we're going to be with our maker, and there's no day that can match that day. Jesus encourages them with heaven. You know why we need encouragement? Ooh, because when we get discouraged, some crazy stuff starts happening to us, right? Does discouragement not play with your emotions? It play with your mind. You start doing dumb stuff, right? You start thinking things, hearing things, acting in ways, all because you get discouraged. Can I be real with you today? I get discouraged sometimes. I have my days. Now, I try not to show it in front of you on Sundays, man, because I want to encourage you. But I have moments that are, that are rough. And I'll be real with you to say that, man, this, this past season, number of months where I've tried to lead our spiritual family and my family through coronavirus and all of the chaos and unrest in our world, it's done a number on me. And there have been many nights where I couldn't go to sleep, some nights where I woke up and couldn't go back to sleep. And I've been challenged in a way that I've never been challenged before. A couple weeks ago, in the middle of a, of a pretty stressful and discouraging week, my phone was in my pocket and it vibrated. I pulled it out. There was a text message from a guy who's, who's in my life group because I need a group too. And it just said, hey, buddy, I'm for you. I appreciate you. I love you, and I'm behind you. And I can't tell you what that simple message from one of my brothers who's in it together with me, what that did for me in the middle of a discouraging week. And here's what I'm saying to all of us today in the room online. Like, I'm, I'm sad for those of you who don't have that because you won't be willing to get in it together with others just the way that Jesus told us. And Scripture tells us the, the need for it. Listen to me. Hebrews 13, look at this. This is so good. Hebrews 3.13 says, Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Notice Hebrews says daily. It didn't, it didn't say, hey, be encouraged on Sundays, right? Now you come up in here and you're discouraged. We're going to do our best to leave you in full of encouragement. But here's what I know. Some of you, that ain't even making it to Monday lunch break, okay? It's just not. And so Hebrews says you don't need just encouragement daily or, or weekly. You need it daily. Why? The end of the verse said it. So that your, your heart would not grow hard with discouragement or with sin's deceitfulness. Because both those things are so real in your life and mine. 
And he says encouragement from one another allows that wall to be broken down. You see, when we're in it together, we serve one another, we encourage one another. Here's number three. Stay with me. Life together produces with one another. That's how we're going to say it. Life together produces with one another. Hear me. When you're living and sharing life together like we're talking about, like Jesus model, listen, one plus one doesn't equal two. All right? Because together, we always produce more than we could by ourselves. Jesus says, in it together. That's the beauty all right, of the big church. Like That's why we long to get back together. That's why we're a big spiritual family spread out across three gatherings of people watching online. Because together, we can do way more than we ever could on our own. Like Together, we can pull our resources together, buy Christmas gifts for every kid in our school district from kindergarten to fifth grade. Ain't none of y'all be able to do that by yourself. Not me either. Right? Together, we can provide Thanksgiving meals for dozens of families all across our city. Together, we can, we can, we're, we're a part of planting churches and blessing our city and helping families in need. And can't none of us do that by ourselves alone. But, oh, we put it together, and we can do so much more together than we can by ourselves. And can I be real? Like, sometimes it feels that way when, when you trust God with your giving. Right? When you, when you like your tithes and offerings, and maybe you write that check, or you, you text in, or you go through our website, and, and you give, and you're like, oh, like, that's, like that's, that's my 10%, or that's my 15%, or that's my offering, God, but oh, it doesn't feel like a lot. Like, I don't even know what that pay the light bill. Like, but listen to me, listen, that's, that's just you. But you see, I, I get a chance to see the picture of when we put it all together, and we're all trusting God, oh, man, we can do big things because we're in it together, and it may not be equal giving in the amount, but it's equal sacrifice in the giving. And God puts it together, and he's like, listen, I'll take your obedience, and I'll produce things that you could never produce on your own. Now, there's, listen, there's two verses that we read last week. I want you to look at them again. It talks about producing together. John 15. We're in John 15 real quick. Verses 4 and 5. Jesus says, remain in me. As I also remain in you. Y'all remember that last week? We said before we're in it together with others, we got to be in it with Jesus, okay? Here's what he says. No branch, we're the branch, can bear fruit by itself. Stop doing it by yourself. He says it must remain in the vine, in me. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and if you remain in me and I in you, you will do what? You will have much produce. You'll bear much fruit. But don't miss the warning. Apart from me, you can't do nothing. I'm the vine. Man, we're in it together. We produce more. Okay, here's number four. Don't, don't lose on me. Fourth truth today, life together protects one another. I like this one. Life together protects one another. Chapter 16 of John, same night, okay, same night as all these other chapters, just a different chapter. Here's what Jesus says, John 16, verse 1. He says, all this I've told you, like all this about being together, I told you this for this reason, so that you will not fall away, so that you will not fall away. Maybe your translation says this. I like this. It says, so that you will not go astray. I like that translation. It's good. So that you will not go astray. In the original um, Greek language, you know what the word astray, how it translates? It's the word skandalizo, right? Which is where we get our English word, what? Scandal, right? So here's what Jesus is saying. Track with me. Jesus says, I'm telling you all this stuff so that there won't be scandals in your life. That's what he's saying. And this word scandal, it literally means, write this definition down, it literally means a snare in your path that you cannot see. 
That's what it means. A snare in your path that you, can't, that you cannot see. Can I give you some just straight hard truth today? We all have a snare in our path that we cannot see. You do, and I do. Like right, right now in your life, there's a snare that you can't see. I don't care how good a church person you are. There's a snare in your life that you cannot see. And listen, if, like, if you looked hard enough and long enough on your own, could you find it? Maybe. But you put some other eyes with you who are in it together with you, who can be real on an in-between-the-toes kind of level, and you know what? You'll see that snare. And chances are you'll be protected from it because you are in it together with others. We all need people in our lives who are in it together with us on that kind of level, who are protecting one another. Because here's what I know. I don't know about you, but I'll just speak for me. What I know is I can deceive myself. I can deceive myself. And I'm, I'm about one step, one decision away from stupid. You know what I mean? And you are too. You are too. And Jesus says, hey, you want to know how to keep the scandalizo out of your life? Stop doing it by yourself. Be in it together where somebody knows you and walks with you so that you don't have the scandalizo. you got to protect one another. And I love, how, I love how the message translation puts it. Look at this. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 says it this way in the message translation. On the screen it says, it's better to have a partner than go at it alone. Yes, it is. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, look at this. This is what Grandma said. But if there's no one to help, tough luck. That's your fault, right? It goes on. It says, two in a bed warm each other. Alone, you will shiver at night. That makes sense. Here's the verse. Don't miss it. By yourself, you are what? You're unprotected. But on the other side, with a friend, you can face the worst. Church, listen to me. I'm just trying to be honest with you today that by yourself, you're unprotected. And you might miss the snare in your life because we all got one which means that you need to have somebody in your life who knows what you're clicking on late at night. Hello. You need to have somebody in your life who knows how your marriage is going. Not what you say on Sunday, but how it's really going on Monday. You need somebody in your life who knows what's happening in your friend circle. Are you being influenced? All right, or are they influencing you? You need somebody in your life who knows how it's hap what's happening in your family. You need somebody in your life who knows how you're uh, spending the majority of your time. Is there an idol working its way into your life? You need somebody in your life, right, who knows where you are with Jesus because you're in it together with others. That's the way that Jesus designed it. We're in it together. What do we do? We encourage, produce, we protect. And here's the last one. Don't miss it. In chapter 17 of John, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he gives us this final truth. Life together prays for one another. Now listen, you're going to go, oh, that's simple. Now listen, there's so much to that one. Life together prays for one another. All right, in John 17, Jesus is praying. Like the whole chapter is a prayer of his. And here, here's one of his focus on verse 9. John 17, verse 9. Jesus says, I pray for them, meaning his disciples. He says, I'm not praying for the world but for those you've given me, God, for they're yours. They belong to you. Jesus says, I'm praying for them. And he's talking about his disciples. 
And in this moment, he says, I'm not praying for the world. He's like, I'm praying for those who are close to me because, God, they need it. They need, they need me to pray for them. Notice that Jesus says, he says, I'm not praying for the world. Like he makes that an intentional statement. Now, why did he say that? Well, maybe because that was just the different focus that he had in this moment. But could we, let's stretch it out just to say this. Maybe it was because like there was too many names in the world to pray for in that moment. You ever feel that way? You're like, man, I feel like I should pray for like our world. And all, I don't, man, it's too many names. Like, I can't pray for all of them. Can I just tell you, like I feel that way as your pastor sometimes. I'm like, I don't, I don't pray for our people, but like, woo, like there's no way that by myself I can pray for hundreds of names every single day. Like, I just can't do it. And I know some of you, man, you come up to me and like you tell me some things that are going on. You're like, man, would you pray for this? Would you pray for this? And I love that you do that. Like, don't stop bringing those to me. But here's what I'm saying. Like, I struggle because I can't pray for every single name every single day. I can't do it. Even our staff team, nine people, we can't pray for hundreds of people every single day. But, but you know how you can be prayed for every day? If you're in it together with others in a group on a team, in a life-to-life relationship. Like we, we train our leaders to pray for you because you need it and I need it. We all need somebody to pray for us, right? And listen to me, here's the really cool part. We all have the same access to the same God who's got the same power. Like nobody has them on speed dial. Not me, not you. Like it's all the same. If we're in it with him, if we're in the relationship, I mean, he says that the access is open to the Father. And we all need to be prayed for, and we all need to pray for somebody else. So listen to me. What about this? Okay, for all my people in groups, what about this? Like what if this week at group, like this is one of the things you did. You just like exchange phone numbers with different people in the group and like somebody else got your number and you got somebody else's number. Just one number. And then this week you just prayed for that one person. Not 20, just one. And then like one day, oh, this would be crazy. One day you just picked up the phone and you called that person because you had that number and you said, hey, listen. I'm praying for you, and I'm, I'm in it together with you. I love you. I don't know what's going on, but I'm praying for you. How powerful would that be? You need it, and I need it too. And stuff like that happens when you're willing to be in it together with others. You see, there's power, there's joy, and there's purpose when you choose to get in it together with others on an in-between-the-toes kind of level. And here's today's message, all right, in one sentence, okay, one tweetable statement right here. You ready? Here's, here's the whole message. If you missed everything else, this is it right here. You ready? We is always better than me. It is. We is always better than me. And I know it's not great English, but it's good preaching, and it's true. We're better together when we're in it together. So here's my question. You ready? Here's my question for you, for me. Who do you have in your life right now, right now, who's in it together with you on that kind of level? Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.